True Crime Fix is a podcast with adult themes and graphic descriptions of crime which may not be considered suitable for all ages. Please use your discretion when listening. All research has been conducted using material in the public domain and some opinions may not be that of the author or the host. Please remember that all victims are someone's loved one and all episodes are recorded in the utmost respect of their memory. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to the True Crime Fix podcast with Stevie B. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the premiere episode. The whole aim for me starting this podcast was not only as a hobby, but I did hope that on occasion I'd be able to tell the story of an individual who their unfortunate demise and the circumstances surrounding it could act as a warning to other people. Not all stories are whodunits, but the aim of episodes like this one is that there may be people out there listening that are able to identify aspects of the behaviour behind this crime and the way that it might relate to situations which they find themselves in. As I said in my introduction episode, I'm not going to pretend to be a professional broadcaster. I'm not able to do amazing production jobs. I'm just a guy with his laptop and a microphone in his garage wanting to send out stories that I've researched for anybody who wants to listen. Part of the reason that I wanted to tell this story was I heard about this case when scrolling through Facebook last September. I was reading posts about police activities that were being posted in a group I'm in. All of the rumours that were being circulated were about a chopped up body in a freezer. All I thought to myself is that there's a family out there with a lost loved one and, as at the time the body had not been identified, anybody with somebody missing must have been extremely concerned. When the facts started coming out, the story read like a horror movie plot. Not all stories get a lot of mainstream coverage in the media. The world is full of horrific tales. This is your true crime fix. I'm your host Steve, and this story is dedicated to the memory of Zofia Zavodska. High Wycombe is in the county of Buckinghamshire, and it's its largest town. It is situated 30 miles north of London, and was once renowned as a furniture-making town, with the local football team also having the nickname the Chairboys. On the morning of the 20th of September 2016, Thames Valley Police and paramedics were called to a property on Dashwood Avenue, High Wycombe, to reports of an attempted suicide at approximately 5.30am. Upon arrival, they discovered the body of a young woman, which was unresponsive next to a male who was found in a pool of blood. The pool of blood had been caused by deep self-inflicted cuts to his wrists. The man was immediately arrested and taken to High Wycombe Police Station for questioning. It appeared as though the police had their man, However, the investigation was now into what had caused this brutal scene. Everyone has, whether it is through a Hollywood movie or the media, heard of a story about a young person having their life extinguished by people who are infatuated by them. However, when the obsession is not reciprocated, the obsessor feels hurt. I predict that everybody has had a crush like that, which turns into infatuation with another person, but the ending of relationships or non-mutual feelings are a fact of life. Unfortunately for some people, the process of moving on can cause that individual to snap. In the stories that have been published about the end of her life, 
there's not a lot of information about Zafia the person, so the information about her early life is limited. Her Facebook profile, which still remains as a memorial to her, indicates that she was born in 1995 in Warsaw, Poland, and she had a three-year-old son at the time of her death. She worked as a leaflet distributor. Zafia's mother, Katrazina, spoke to a local tabloid, stating that the most heartbreaking thing that she was going to have to do was tell her grandson that he would never see his mum again. Zafia was in a relationship with the father of her child, Camille Szczezinowicz, who was also a Polish national and worked at the local car wash. She also lived with him. Reports that have been written about her have described Zafia as vivacious and, just like most 20-year-olds, enjoyed drinking and socialising. She also appeared very active on Instagram. Zafia was a very attractive female and always gained attention of other males in any bar she was in. On one of her nights out, she met a man by the name of Arsan Hassan, who was known by the name Ali. The pair would go on to spend a lot of time together, going to pubs and bars in High Wycombe on a Tuesday, Friday and Saturday night before going back to his house, which he shared with a childhood friend. Hassan, who was seven years her elder and worked at a local kebab shop, would pay for their nights out and even loan Zafia his bank card and pin to get whatever she wanted. A closer relationship was formed between Zafia and Hassan. Zafia lived the party lifestyle, which in a university town is not difficult, with different bars having promotions on most nights. Zafia allegedly confided in Hassan that she wasn't happy in her relationship and that she wanted to separate from her current boyfriend but was worried about keeping her son. Hassan suggested that the two of them take a week break from drinking as he was concerned about her health at the start of September 2016. So what do we know about Arsan Hassan? Hassan arrived in the UK to study English in 2011 but eventually found himself working in a late-night takeaway called Dennis's Kebabs in High Wycombe. Hassan's first language is Urdu and was born in Lahore, which is the capital city of Pakistan's Punjab region. He had lived there with his parents, two sisters and a brother, but fled his native Pakistan when the family tried to force him to marry his cousin against his wish. Whilst in England, Hassan had met a woman by the name of Victoria and the two had become romantically involved. The pair tied the knot on March 17, 2014, but separated when she became pregnant by another man. He then moved to High Wycombe to be with his childhood friend, Usman Ansar, who Hassan had met during year 10, which would have been around 2003. It is unclear whether the fact that he had been cheated on previously, which as a result had led to the breakup of his marriage, was a precursor to his future behaviour but it is likely that this caused a distrust in women. Very early on, Hassan started to become very controlling of Sophia, to the extent where she shared her concerns with her friend Anna Zavloka via the Facebook Messenger app. Sophia said, I'm scared when he said I only have two options, always be with me or die, and that I have to decide or this will happen. Anna replied, Oh dear, it's terrible he has to say something like that today. Are you sure you want to be with him? Zafia responded, He's not going to change in his head. He is obsessed. He should not give a shit about me if he's going to be that rude. He can act like a madman. This breaks me that he could hurt himself or kill himself without me. So a moment of clarification here. 
From the information which is freely available, it is unclear whether her relationship with Camille had come to an end, as stories conflict with stating who she was in a relationship with. Regardless, that is her private personal life, and I do not want to surmise, as I know doing so would lead to negative perceptions of the victim. This would completely defeat the object of this story. On Tuesday the 6th of September 2016, Zafira had been to watch a film at the cinema with Camille's friend Petri Succi before going out for drinks and dancing at Yates's in the town centre. CCTV footage from the pub showed Hassan was in the same place that night too. He stood at the bar, dressed in a shirt and a bandana, just watching. Zafir could be seen dancing before leaving the venue. After she had briefly spoken to Hassan, Zafir and Petri left Yates's at just after 2am and made their way to the kebab shop, which is a two-minute walk away. Zafir is under the influence of alcohol after leaving that evening. The pair then made their way to a bench in the town centre to eat their food. Unbeknownst to them, they were still being watched. Someone had followed the pair out into the night. Pursuing them, in a shirt with the words number one public enemy and a white baseball cap, was Hassan. Footage from the town centre showed him following some way behind as Petri and Sophia made their way towards the kebab shop. Hassan initially waited in the entrance to a shop and loitered by the corner of a building close by. He followed them when they made their way to the bench before crouching down in the street behind a pair of metal bins to spy on his targets who were still oblivious. Hassan covertly continued to watch Zafir over the next few days as the relationship became strained. When he saw her entering the Crown Plaza Hotel in the neighbouring town of Marlow with a man a few days later, it appears as though that was the trigger for Hassan, especially as this was his childhood friend Ansar. It appears as though Zafir and Hassan were taking a break from seeing each other and both using Ansar as a go-between. In a quote taken from the trial, having been convinced that he could change her, by the weekend of the 17th and 18th of September, it must have been apparent to Hassan that she was not going to conform to his wishes. However, he was quite unable to let her go and quite unable to allow anyone else to have her. On Sunday, September the 18th, 2016, Hassan, with his evil plot in mind, lured Sophia to a disused kebab shop, a branch of Dennis's Kebabs in Gayhurst Road in High Wycombe at around 11.30pm, with the promise of a special party as it was her 21st birthday the following week. Hassan had even gone to the trouble of buying another SIM card to text his normal number from and save that as Rob Best Mate. The fictional Rob, Hassan had told Sophia, would drive them from the kebab shop to the party. The kebab shop was his former place of employment and he still had keys for the premises. The property was vacant whilst the owner, whom was his manager, was trying to extend the lease. Earlier in the day, he had taken masking tape, cling film and a net curtain to the building to carry out his sick plan. It is reported that Hassan suffocated Zafir with the cling film and masking tape as police found it at the scene with her saliva on it when they did their initial search. After murdering her in the takeaway, 
At around 2am, he carried her limp and floppy body over his shoulder from the desolate building and put her in a waiting taxi. Hassan managed to convince the driver she was drunk and asleep. They travelled to his home some three and a half miles away in the Sands area of Wickham, where he strangled her again, this time using a ligature. It was maybe that having killed the woman with whom he'd become utterly fixated and the fact that he was now faced with the prospect of being prosecuted with her murder, Hassan made an attempt on his life at his home. This takes us back to the scene that the police found at the start of this story. A subsequent post-mortem examination of Sophia, which was conducted at Stoke Mandeville Hospital, revealed that there was no alcohol in her body at the time of her death. The cause of death was found to be asphyxia, but it was unclear whether it was the suffocation or the strangulation that actually killed her, as there were marks on her body consistent with compressions on her neck. The pathologist found bruising on her arms consistent with forceful gripping and marks around her wrists and ankles which would be consistent with a restraint or binding. Red marks around her neck matching the circular grooves on her silver necklace which police had found thrown away near Hassan's home were also found. Having been charged with murder, the trial of Arsan Hassan began on the 23rd of March 2017 at Reading Crown Court and was presided over by Judge Joanna Cutts. Hassan admitted manslaughter by killing Zafia in what he described as part of a lover's suicide pact but denied the charge of murder. The prosecutor was Mr Alan Blake and Diana Ellis QC represented Hassan. Hassan stood in the dock with his childhood friend from Pakistan Usmar Ansar who was accused of lying to the police to protect his friend. According to the defence, he had done this after feeling very guilty about having sexual relations with Miss Zevodska behind Hassan's back. During the trial, Alan Blake read out the Facebook messages sent by Zafia to her friend Anna, the contents of which were described earlier in this episode. Anna was in court and read her replies to the jury from the witness stand. Anna also described how Hassan's infatuation grew. He says that she is his whole life, Anna said. Is that something you heard him say, Mr Blake asked Anna. I did hear him saying that to me. She means everything to me, absolutely, she said. He came to my house once, but I can't remember the exact date. That was before they had their break. He was telling me how it would be when they had a break. He said she was his whole life. He was crying and a bit emotional about it all. She added, He told me that she had a child and a partner because I did not know that and that she was supposed to be moving out soon so that they could be together. Who told you that? Mr Blake asked. Ali, she answered. In his closing argument, Mr Blake said, Hassan's defence team would say Zafia and he had agreed a suicide pact in which he would kill her and then kill himself. He said, The Crown say that this was, and still is, the defendant seeking to dress up and make more palatable and honourable something that was actually premeditated, callous, and ultimately an utterly selfish murder of a young woman who had a lot to live for. Hassan's defence barrister told the court Sofia Zavodska was in a difficult place 
after a tumultuous relationship with the father of her son. Diana Ellis QC said, You may feel Zafia must have had so much inward turmoil and confusion about the state of her life. It's difficult when you end up living with somebody and having a child with somebody you've met just before travelling to a foreign country and seemingly having little in common. The jury took five hours and nine minutes to convict Hassan of murder. His co-accused, Usmar Ansar, was cleared of perverting the course of justice. On the 10th of September 2017, Arsana Sam was sentenced to the minimum term of 23 years and 165 days. Upon sentencing, Judge Joanna Cutts said, You inflicted mental and physical suffering on Zafia before her death. She must have been terrified when she came to the realisation what was happening in that place and nobody could find her. Having killed Zafia, you realised you could not leave her there so calmly took her body back to your address, claiming to the taxi driver that she was just drunk. She added, You have shown not a shred of remorse, even trying to persuade the jury that you killed her in pursuance of a suicide pact. Judge Cutts told Reading Crown Court how Hassan invented a fictional party, like in the movies, as a way of luring Sophia to the disused kebab shop, which was closed while the owner planned to negotiate a new lease. Addressing the second SIM card, Judge Cutts said, If Sophia asked you, you were able to show her the texts. She added, You even went to the lengths of asking other friends from your friendship group to the party. One agreed to come and sent you his address so that you could pick him up. You did, of course, not do so. Senior Investigating Officer Detective Inspector Stuart Blake of Thames Valley Police Major Crime Unit said, Zafia Savodska was a fun-loving young mother who had everything to live for. She was murdered a week before her 21st birthday at the hands of Arsan Hassan. The court has heard during this trial the details of Hassan's controlling, manipulative and coercive behaviour which resulted in her murder on the evening of Sunday the 18th of September 2016. On the night of her death, Zafia was expecting to go to a special party, however this never happened. So that's the end of our first episode. It was a little bit shorter than normal, but please bear with me while I find my feet. Please remember, if you enjoyed the show, or want to know anything more, please follow us on Twitter, at True Crime Fix Pod. That's at True Crime Fix Pod. Or look out for our Facebook page, True Crime Fix Podcast. That's True Crime Fix Podcast. I'll be posting information about the week's cases on there. Also, if you have any suggestions or feedback for the show, please contact me at True Crime Fix Podcast. That's all one word True Crime Fix Podcast at gmail.com also if you have any suggestions for any cases you'd like me to research also email me until next time stay safe look after each other and live life to the fullest because you never know who or what might be coming around the next corner take care everyone